All right, if you'd like to, we're going to be in Hosea chapter 8 today. Hosea chapter 8. Just have probably a couple more weeks or so in the book of Hosea, making our way through there. Um, I think you guys have been seeing the theme again. It just, it, it doesn't seem to ever go away that we need to acknowledge God. But more on that in just a second. So let's look in Hosea chapter 8, and we're going to start verse 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8, Hosea 8, from this is the King James Version here to get started. The Bible says, God speaking, for they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the strangers shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up, now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. And if you've kind of been getting the feeling, a lot of Hosea is not a real pleasant story, is it, right? It's not very happy, and it's, again, the Lord convicting and drawing. Um, you guys remember what we saw last week? What did the Lord say through, through Hosea? He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? And the acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And so that was that truth that hopefully is resonating in your heart, that the Lord desires mercy. We live in a society today where every single thing is judged. Have you noticed that? It's just like, it's like it doesn't matter what the situation is. Everybody's got to get every other side to the story. Nothing can be just good or pleasant or of worth and value. Somebody's also got to pick it apart and say why this was handled the wrong way or not done. Everything wasn't perfect. And we live in that type of place where we're kind of almost taught to always be judgmental and to look for negative and to be cynical. And yet the Lord reminds us that he desires mercy. Aren't you glad the Lord was merciful to you and to me, <laughs> right? He could pick me apart, no problem. I have so many flaws, but his mercy, he saves us. And so we need to be a people of mercy. Today, the command is coming out very clear. It's a very familiar uh, truth from the scriptures. We even saw it, if you're paying attention in our Sunday school lesson today, and that is what you sow, you will reap. And we saw it, the woman at the well, right at the end of that story, Jesus said, people have already sown the seed, and now you're getting to reap in what you didn't sow. And so in a very positive way, that's a neat thing that we can sow things. And I think, and I know, especially with such a small crowd here today, like, what good are we doing? A little small seed that's being planted, that's being faithful, it will deliver. Trust the Lord, it will deliver. Don't be discouraged in that. And so what also we're getting to see, though, is some people have already planted seeds, and we get to reap the harvest of those things, too. You might get to be that person that gets to go and lead someone to the Lord because some lady who was a shut-in in a nursing home had been praying for 20 years. And then this person's ready to come to Jesus because of that seed that was constantly sown. Amen. So today, hear the word of the Lord. This is so simple, but you need to put it to your heart. You will reap what you sow. So then that begs the question, what are you sowing? And that's where we want to get to today. We're going to start off with this idea. Again, some really harsh words from the Lord to his people. And he begins the first paragraph. He speaks of being incapable of purity. Again, thinking of Hosea and Gomer, this whole situation as a picture of God and his people, incapable of purity. Look down at verse 1. 
The Lord says through his prophet Hosea, put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, our God, we acknowledge you. Sound familiar? <laughs> Verse three, but Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Samaria, throw out your calf idol. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a metal worker has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces. That calf of Samaria. The Lord is not happy with his people. He says, call the trumpet. What's the trumpet call? What's the purpose of the trumpet? In the military, which Michael was here with us. He may be online. I don't know. When they blow the trumpet, it's to get everybody ready to go, right? Well, here's the, the imagery here as God is blowing the trumpet and he's calling Assyria to come and to bring judgment upon his own people because of their sin. There's a famous preacher by the name of R.G. Lee, and he had a very famous sermon. It was called Payday Sunday. Payday Sunday. What we're looking at today is payday is about to show up for God's people. Let's say it again. You're going to hear it probably 10 times this morning. You reap what you sow to the good and to the bad. You reap what you sow. God calling the trumpet out calling that army of Assyria to get ready to attack his people. Then we have the next picture in the same first verse of the chapter that the eagle is over the house of the Lord. And this is not like we think of our American bald eagle and its protection and its strength and its vigor. This is again that the eagle is swooping over God's people and they're about to be judged for their sin. They've sown sin for so long, they're about to reap that judgment. They have broken their promises with God. I want to look at just a few of the transgressions here in this first paragraph. First thing is they broke the covenant. They made a promise to the Lord and they did not keep it. They have been worshiping other gods and other idols and chasing after other nations. They rebelled against God's law. God spoke to them clearly. He laid out what his plan was for them and they ignored it to their own destruction. Can we be real clear this morning? God's given you the same truth, the same plan. He showed you how to live, how you can have the best life here and the best life to come. God's already laid that out. And when you disobey God's laws, you do it to your own detriment and ultimately could be to your own destruction. Obey the law of the Lord. But Hosea says they have rejected the good. Why would anybody reject the good? Does the good always feel good? You ever been disciplined by your parents? You guys are probably all so nice, nobody ever had to discipline you, did you? Let me tell you, I've had my fair share of swats. <laughs> and now I can say, they were good. I needed them. I needed that discipline. Israel has rejected the good of the Lord because they've been trading it for things that are not good for them. And then God begins to lay out some of their other issues. They set up kings without God's consent. Here's the same problem. They were not acknowledging the Lord. In verse 3, they said, oh, we acknowledge you. They said it with their lips, but they didn't do it with their hearts. When it came time to 
install their king? Did they ask for the Lord's blessing on that king and to try to find what who God wanted for their? No. What did they do? Probably what we do. He's going to give us the most prosperity and the most money and the best strength and peace. That's who we want. Quick political side here for a moment. When you are voting, are you praying? Right? We need to acknowledge the Lord even in that area of our life. Not just going down a list and the checkoff boxes and if it's who we've always done before. We need to seek the Lord, even in such a blessing we have to vote in our country. Here the problem was they were setting up kings and princes without God's consent. And then ultimately they were making idols. Samaria was famous for that golden calf idol. Again, I think this is really cool. Where was the woman at the well from today that we looked at in Sunday school? Samaria, right? She was from Samaria. And the problem was that after this, after this time, when Assyria comes down, they're going to take out many of the Israelites and take them away to Assyria, but there will be some who stay there. And then there will be many Assyrians who come and move in to, to the place, to the northern tribes of Israel. They will intermarry and they will intermingle their religion. And that's why you're going to end up with what Rick was sharing this morning about a group of people that were kind of Jewish, but kind of not. And to be honest with you, they would be called half-breeds is how they would be labeled. And that's why the Israelites didn't want anything to do with them. It goes all the way back to this. The reason that there were going to be these problems in Samaria is because Israel had forsaken the truth and the law of their God. And so then the Lord speaks out that verse 5 that is so disheartening. He says, how long will they be incapable of purity? Do you think the Lord ever asked that about me or you? How long is his heart going to stray? How long is he going to be distracted? How long is it going to be before he humbles himself and really depends on me? How long until she really loves me and sees me for who I am? How long until she reaches out to me for real peace? How long will they be incapable of purity? Can you even hear in God's voice there, he wants them to be right. You know how much the Lord loves you today? <laughs> he wants the good for you. And that's why he asked these difficult and these tough questions. Again, in verse 6, what I want you to take with you from the end of this paragraph is that God will break the idols into pieces. Know this, God's justice and his judgment is sure and it will come to pass. It will happen. We need to put our confidence in that and we've seen it so many times. Let's go down to verse 7. This is where we especially want to talk about sowing and reaping today. Sow the whirlwind. Sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Verse 7, the Bible says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up, and now she is among the nations like something no one wants. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to lovers. Verse 10, although they have sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together. They will begin to waste away under the oppression of the mighty king. Sowing and reaping. You guys, you know these principles. Now, what's interesting to hear is, what do they reap? Help me out. Stay awake this morning. 
They're going to sow to the wind. What do they reap? Look in your verses. Starts with a W. Whirlwind. They're sowing the wind. They're not reaping the wind. They're reaping the whirlwind. Are you tracking with that? They're reaping a, a larger amount than what they sow, right? And that's what you always hope for anyways, right? And that's normally the principle of sowing and reaping. Now think about that in, in good terms here. Um, Paul will say much the same in Galatia. Actually, if you want to, you can turn there real quick. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Again, Paul lays out the same principle that Hosea was laying out here in chapter 8. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul says it this way. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap what? destruction and the one who sows to please the spirit from that spirit will reap what eternal life <laughs> isn't that good if you sow a little sin you sow a little more sin you keep sowing sin what are you going to reap the whirlwind what's the whirlwind destruction if you sow to the spirit in this decision you sow to the spirit in this decision you sow to the spirit in this decision what are you going to reap the whirlwind eternal life do you get the trade-off it's such a clear simple thing to me but i think we neglect it oftentimes one of the themes of of all the scripture is you reap what you sow if you plant corn what do you reap you know that right if you plant beans what do you reap i'm from central illinois you put the corn in the ground you get the corn you put the bean in the ground you get the bean right if you put sin in the ground what you're going to get Pain and destruction. But if you put righteousness in the ground, what are you going to get? Hope and life. Right? These things are so simple, but they're so true. You guys know the same thing in your own life. Um, practically speaking, can I continue to never exercise and to eat tons of junk food and expect that my body is going to be this in, in unbelievable symbol of health and vitality? We laugh and smile, but it, we know that principle, don't we, right? If I continue to do these negative, terrible things to myself, good things are not just going to happen and show up. You've done it in school as well, right? You didn't study, you didn't prepare, you showed up for the test, and you thought, maybe I'll reap an A. <laughs> if you so neglect and you so playing video games or playing outside or talking to your friends and you don't do the work, what are you going to reap? not an a right okay we know these principles are true and yet so often we neglect them this is from george munzing i thought again just a real clear perspective on this truth if you cheat in practice you'll cheat in the game if you cheat in your head you'll cheat on the test you'll cheat on the girl you'll cheat in business you'll cheat on your mate so a thought reap an act so an act reap a habit so a habit reap a character so a character reap a destiny. Sowing and reaping. If you're going to sow to the sinful flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you will sow righteousness and walk in the Spirit, you're going to reap life. Sow to the Spirit and you will reap life. Oh, how we can emphasize this to each other all the time and to our young people especially. You don't reap just good things when you sow righteousness you reap the best thing. 
So my question again this morning is, what are you sowing? What's it mean to sow righteousness? Does that mean I walk around with my uh, suit and tie and my Bible when I go to nobles of schools? And I try to make sure that everybody knows I wear really nice shoes. And, yeah. What does it mean to sow righteousness? It means to make the right decisions. That's what we're talking about. All this is all about spiritual decision making. And that's what you need to decide this week, even this day. I really appreciate about Teresa today. She, she loves homeless ministry about more than anything. And if she'll miss church, she doesn't want to miss church on a homeless Sunday. But she said, today, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to be with Arnold to help him in the hospital. That's where I needed to be. Her decision was to obey the Holy Spirit leading in her life. And I think she made the right choice. You have those same choices, and I have those same choices every day. We can choose righteousness, or we can choose ourselves, or we can choose sin. And the Lord is begging us. Even as he was begging his people, they're going to reap what they sow. So I'm just encouraging you even now to be praying, Lord, am I making the decisions that are pleasing to you? What is your ambition? What do you want most of all out of this life and the life to come? What is your highest ambition? Probably that's where you're going to be sowing. Briefly, let's go back to Hosea, but this time to chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. Look at the truth here. Same theme, different chapter. <laughs> Hosea says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. But, verse 13, you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil, you have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. Man, that's so clear, right? Same truth, presented a different way. Seek the Lord, sow righteousness, reap unfailing love. That's a pattern. Seek the Lord, sow righteousness, reap unfailing love. What's the opposite? Plant wickedness. What happens? You reap evil. Now, here's what the, the key is. This morning. I want to challenge you on this a little bit, too. This goes along with that idea we've shared so many times about being unstuck. Here it is as well. Because of the deception of trusting in them, their own strength, they are going to reap destruction. This is the big lie. And we say it to ourselves, just like the people of Israel said, we can defend ourselves, we can get our own kings, we can make our own idols, we can make our own alliances, we'll be fine. We do the same thing. We say, well, yeah, that's good, I'll go to church, I'll say a prayer here or there, but I've got this, I can take care of myself. I am strong enough to make the change that I need. And God says, that's the lie. You need to depend on him. Today, you need to depend on him. Stop depending upon yourself and keep in step with the Spirit. Again, sowing works both ways, to the good and to the bad. And here's another truth I want you to take with you this morning. Realize that the timing of reaping is in God's hands. Listen to this. This is really good. This is from William Brown. There's a story about a farmer in a Midwestern state who had a strong disdain for religious things and religious people. As he plowed his field on Sunday morning, he would shake his fist at the church people who passed by on their way to worship. 
October came and the farmer had his finest crop ever, the best in the entire county. And when the harvest was complete, he placed an advertisement in the local paper, which belittled the Christians for their faith in God. Near the end of his diatribe, he wrote, faith in God must not mean much if someone like me can prosper. Well, the response from the Christians in the community was quiet and polite. And in the next edition of the town paper, a small ad appeared, and it read simply, God does not always settle his accounts in October. Hello? Sin is good for a while, right? It's pleasurable for a while. Those bad decisions, the reason you make them is because their immediate gratification seems to be good. God doesn't settle his accounts always in October. That's a good truth. Again, the Lord's timing is different than our own, and we need to trust him even in the timing of reaping and sowing. All right, let's finish up this morning. Look down at verse 11. We're going to see what's going to happen, this idea of returning to Egypt. Look at verse 11 of Hosea chapter 8. Though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, these have become altars for sinning. Lord, help us. I wrote for them the many things of my law, but they regarded them as something foreign. Though they offer sacrifices as gifts to me, as though, and though they eat my meat, the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten their maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns, but I will send fire on their cities that will consume their hope the Lord can speak to you like he's speaking to me. Hear the Lord this morning what he's trying to share with you. The people in the northern part, they had many altars to confess their sins. Do we have many churches in our country today? How many churches do we have here on the south side? Maybe a hundred. I don't know. There's a church like everywhere, isn't there? Right? They had many places to confess their sins, but those places turned into opportunities for sinning. How in the world does an altar, how in the world does a church become a place for sinning? That's interesting, isn't it? The Lord says the altars became altars for sinning. Here, let me give you my little two cents on this. When we give simple lip service to God on Sundays, but we don't obey him on Mondays, the Sunday services become altars for sinning. Are you tracking with that? When you're not the same person tomorrow as that you pretend to be here today, this place just becomes a place for sinning. This service becomes a service for sinning, and the altar becomes a place for sinning. They were offering their sacrifices. Oh, yeah. No, me and God are good. I know. I, I, you know I've got some bad habits in my life, but I tithe, so I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. That's what they were doing with their sacrifices. Yeah, in my house, I have some idols, and I pray to them too. But, you know, I go make my sacrifices on Sabbath. It's, it's all going to work out okay. And God says they're going to be destroyed because they've taken the altars and made those place for sinning. He also says they treated the truth as something foreign, something that they didn't understand, but they knew the commands of God, and yet they neglected and disobeyed his truth. And so the Lord will punish his own people for their disobedience 
And what is he going to do? At the very end of verse 13, he says, they will return to Egypt. Now, I've already told you many, many times, where is Israel actually going to be taken captive? Are they going to be taken captive down south of Egypt? No. They're going to be taken captive in the north by Assyria. So what is Hosea and what does God mean when he says they will return to Egypt? What was in Egypt? Remember Egypt? Egypt was slavery. Egypt was making bricks. Egypt was not having enough resources. Egypt was having no freedom. Egypt was having very little food. Egypt was my children being even in danger of their very lives. Egypt was a terrible place to be. Egypt was an oppressive regime. Egypt was some unfairness with uh, Egyptian people and pharaohs who had so much wealth and my people had nothing. And God says they will return to Egypt. Do you remember Egypt in your spiritual life? What was your life before Jesus? Do you want to go back there? Man, if I could shout this loud enough without scaring you people to death. Do you hear what God's saying? They return to Egypt. And God says to us, do you want to return to a life without forgiveness, a life without hope, a life without peace, a life without a future? When you continue to sow to your sinful desires, you will reap back to Egypt. You will be returned back. And the challenge to us today is this very simple truth. I don't want to go back to my life before the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And what's the scripture say? What are you struggling with today? Where are you trusting yourself when you should be trusting the Lord? Where are your fears? Are your fears about your money or about your approval by somebody in your family or somebody at work? What's your burdens? Do you have struggles with your own mind and your own health? Are you struggling with what you're putting in your body or how you're taking care of the temple the Lord gave you? Where are your burdens today? Again, the Lord is speaking. He says, humble yourself. Instead of the deceitfulness of trusting in your own self, humble yourself, trust the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's sowing righteousness. When we decide to give those burdens and those concerns and those fears and those temptations, when we give them to the Lord, he will lift us up. One last little statement there in verse 14. What's the Lord say to his people? Israel has forgotten their maker. And what did they do instead? What a condemnation in our own country. They built palaces. Judah has many fortified towns. But what's the Lord say he's going to do to that place? He's going to send fire on their cities that will consume their fortresses. We're the mightiest nation on earth, right? Look how much money we put in our own defense. 600, 700, 800. I think we're getting close to almost a trillion dollars we spend on defense. That's the United States. We have the best Navy. We have the best Air Force. We have the best technology. We put our trust in those things. And what's God say to his people who are building palaces and fortifying their cities? but not putting their trust in him, not acknowledging him. He says, that's not a problem for me. 
I will burn down those cities. Now be careful with this. Ask me questions later if you have questions. But think about a nation who trusted itself so much and think about a group of people that just took a small group of people to take out two buildings, to take out 3,000 people, for us to recognize that as mighty and as strong and as powerful we are, that if God wants to get our attention, he can do it in a flash. So to the flesh, and reap destruction. So to the spirit, so righteousness, and reap eternal life. And my battle is this, and I'm going to close with a scripture. If you want to go to Mark chapter 8 there, Diane. And this is where the Lord just keeps just pounding at me, pounding at me. Whoever wants to save their life, what's going to happen to that life? They're going to lose it. When you try to save your life, you're sowing to the flesh. I'm afraid of this, and I'm afraid of that, and i got to protect this, and i got to care for this, and i got to take care of all these things. No, no, no. Whoever loses their life for me and for what? For the gospel. What ultimately happens to that life? It's saved, right? When you sow righteousness to the gospel, you're saving your life. <laughs> you're reaping eternal life. And Lord, help us to not be trying to save our lives, but to lose them. Verse 36, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? They built palaces. They had fortified towns, yet they lost their soul. Verse 37, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Are you losing your life for the sake of the gospel? Are you sowing righteousness? I don't want to reap the whirlwind. I want to reap life. Let's stand this time. We're going to ask Miss Ida to come play just a little bit. As you stand this morning, if you would, just bow your heads. I know it's so quiet out there.